Welcome to Take Your Stand, the podcast of Here I Stand Ministries. I'm your host, Luke Seibert. Let's explore more of what it means to live out the gospel by clinging to the Word and to one another. Welcome back to week two of season two of the podcast. Uh, We began last week starting off this series of how did we get the Bible? Uh, How was it uh, given to men? How was it preserved throughout history? How did we get it specifically in English? Of course, we could trace the history uh, for German, for Spanish, uh, so many different languages. And and sort of a corollary side note to that, there are still so many languages out there that don't have the Bible in in that specific dialect or that language. And there's still work going on through uh, Wycliffe translators, uh, pioneers. There's uh, different organizations out there that are working to continue to translate uh, the, the Bible. So we uh, should be praying for these ministries and also um, and spreading the word and, and lifting them up for the work that they're doing. If uh, God lays in our hearts to support them, uh, to be able to do that, because there are still people out there who don't have the word of God in their own language. Okay, so a little bit of a side note there, but uh, getting back here to the topic at hand, and we're talking about how we get the Bible in English. And last week we began looking at the the overarching thing that the scripture, the Bible, is the word of God. It's not an invention by man, but that it was breathed out or inspired by God. Again, not as an artist looking at a sunset and being getting inspiration from that, but God, by His Spirit, directing the human authors, didn't just dictate the words to them. He He allowed their own styles and personalities to come through, but He, the Holy Spirit, moved them carried them along, guided them, so that what they wrote really was the Word of God. And we examined several passages of Scripture that point to that as the overarching theme or, or the, the main principle. But this week we're going to build a little bit on that uh, to go a little bit deeper and to see specifically how God moved or instances where we see God telling men, commanding them to write down His words. And so we won't look through all the book authors, but we'll look at a few, some of the major ones, and especially the ones that have a lot of, have several um, instances of God telling them. So, our first one is Moses. You know, Moses was is he wrote the first five books of the Bible, and uh, we we believe that probably Job was written earlier, but the way that we have arranged the order of the books in our English and the Bibles today is for the first five books of Moses to to go first and. They sort of built. They start right at the beginning, as it says in the beginning. So it's a good place to good place to start. Um, didn't mean to reference the sound of music there, but yeah. Um, let me turn that off real quick. Um, but yeah. So anyway, talking about Moses, and I will keep several key passages with Moses. So the first one we'll look at is Exodus twenty-four, verse four, and there the first part of the verse says, "Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord." All that God has told him, all that God has spoken to him, uh, he wrote it down for generations to come. And that wasn't the only time that he did that. In Exodus 34, verses 27 and 28, it uh, speaks of how Moses wrote the, the words of the covenant, that the, he wrote them down as God had revealed them. Deuteronomy uh, 31, verse uh, 9 and 24 through 26, says that Moses wrote the law. Also in Deuteronomy 31, verses 19, and then again in 22, 
God commanded Moses to write a particular song, which is recorded. The song is Deuteronomy 32, but God specifically speaking to him and telling him to write these things down. In jo and then switching the New Testament, kind of building upon that, in John chapter 1, verse 45, we see that Moses is credited as having written the law. And then John the Apostle, he points this out. But he, he's, uh, I read that wrong. That in John chapter 5, verses of 46 and 47, Jesus says that Moses wrote about him. And he's referring back to Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 15 through 19, where Moses said that God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brethren. And that's the passage that, that uh, John recorded that Jesus had, had spoken, showed that Moses did write Deuteronomy. And so there's several verses right here that point to Moses writing the law. What we what we say Moses wrote is support. the scripture says that he did. It's not just tradition. Okay, so I'm not going to I'm not going to go into the all, all the historical background. That's a whole other thing about the history historicity of the Bible and how we can uh, other archaeological evidence and other supporting documents that point to show that yes, Moses really lived. Right? And that he, he wrote these books. We have faith that he, he did. And uh, the Bible says that he wrote these portions of scripture. And we should have faith in that. But uh, there is other supporting evidence. But again, that's a whole other uh, topic which we're not going to get into. So that was Moses. And then we see Isaiah. He uh, ministered in the 700, 700s of BC. Uh, under several kings there of Judah. And we see in Isaiah 30, verse 8, the Lord tells, is giving this vision to Isaiah, this prophecy to the people. And the Lord says, now go, write it on a tablet uh, bef before them and inscribe it on a scroll that it may serve in, that serve the time to come as a, mm, as a witness forever. So God's specifically telling Isaiah Take this prophecy, record it, and write it on a scroll so that it may be preserved for time to come. That is uh, a key passage for us to, to remember and to, to see how God moved his, well, commanded, not just moved, but commanded his prophets to write down his message, not just for their own time, but for a time to come. And in Matthew chapter 15, verses 7 through 9, Jesus here, he uh, shows, he, he says that Isaiah wrote this particular prophecy, and he's citing Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13, uh, showing that, yes, Isaiah did write what we what is the, found in the book of Isaiah, that we can have faith in it. Uh, Jesus said that he did. And then, uh, uh, and then John chapter 12, verse 41, John is, uh, it records that, I, again, Isaiah saw the glory of Christ, and he wrote about Christ. And so with Isaiah, both in the book of Isaiah itself and then other supporting uh, books in the scripture, both Matthew and John, show that Isaiah wrote the uh, Isaiah wrote scripture and, uh, and that we can have faith that what we have in the book of Isaiah truly is his words and that God told him to write it there from Isaiah 31. But uh, Jer Isaiah wasn't the only prophet who was told to write the word down the words of God. We see Jeremiah, who, who served in Judah until the captivity, and even a little bit after the captivity. Um, we see him in several places. Uh, 
most significant one of the most significant places is in Jeremiah 36 verses 1 and 2. It says, "In the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of the son of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, excuse me, king king of Judah, this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, "Take a scroll and write on it all the words I have spoken to you." Concerning Israel and concerning Judah and concerning all the nations from the time I spoke from the time I first spoke to you from the days of excuse me from the days of Josiah even to this day and so he goes on and talks and that this is God was telling him to write these words down, not just a particular prophecy, but everything that had happened in his ministry up to that point. He had been serving for several years by now, and God was telling him to write it all down. That it, was this, it wasn't just some idea that Jeremiah had. He, he had a specific commission and commandment from the Lord to write these things down. Um, and then we see in Daniel chapter 9, verse 2, we see that God had revealed a prophecy to Jeremiah that Israel will be in captivity for 70 years and that Jeremiah recorded. It's, it's in the book of Daniel, but it's pointing to how God had moved, uh, had given a prophecy through Jeremiah and Jeremiah had written that down for us to, for, for later people to read. Another prophet is Habakkuk and we're not sure exactly when Habakkuk uh, lived, but sometime as Babylon was growing stronger and before the, the, the captivity. But Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2, God commands Habakkuk to, quote, write the vision. And and, it's supposed, and he, he wrote it down. He was, that's, what he, that's what he did. Again, just there's so many verses that speak to how God had commanded his prophets, his servants, to write down these words. He gave them not just something they came up with themselves. We mentioned Daniel a few minutes ago. Uh, so we turn to Daniel. Daniel chapter 7, verse 1. Daniel said that he, he wrote down the vision that he that he saw. In Daniel chapter 8, verse 26, he was told to shut up the vision. And uh, the shutting up uh, inf- implies that he, was, that he was writing it. And we see this also in chapter 12, verse 4, how he was told to, to seal the book, re- referring to the book that he was, book that he was writing. Uh, in that instance, it was meaning that this vision that you've seen, Daniel, it's not for you. It's for a later time. It's a part of the, the, the second half there, the book of Daniel. Uh, it was written by Daniel, but it's a little bit of a different uh, genre. That uh, We had more of a, of a narrative type in the first half, and in the second half of Daniel was an apocalypse, uh, the apocalyptic genre, which is, again, another topic for another time. But just noting that the sealing up was part of that, saying, yes, this vision is for a time to come. Uh, it's, it's not for right now. That's what that was referring to. But then also in Matthew chapter 24, verse 15, Jesus is talking about the abomination of desolation or the abomination that makes desolate. And he says that what was spoken by the prophet Daniel and pointing it out that this was, that Daniel wrote what we say that he, what we have recorded in our Bible as the book of Daniel. Jesus cites it as being written by Daniel. Again, there's, there's, these are all prophets how God had commanded them to write down his words. 
and flip it over to the, to the New Testament, we mostly have authorial notes like Paul and Timothy, uh, servants of Christ Jesus, uh, to, to those who are at Philippi, uh, instance like that, uh, kind of an authorial note. But there are also there's also places where an author was commanded by God to write down the words. In Revelation chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, we read this. Uh, as John was speaking. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice like the sound of a trumpet a trumpet saying write in a book what you see and send it to the seven churches and then he lists the seven churches that are recorded there that when he turns around he sees Jesus that John was commanded to write down what he saw in the book of Revelation and then begin Revelation chapter 2 verse 1 there's these instances where Jesus specifically commands John, now to the church of Ephesus, write, or to the church of Smyrna, write, and, and all through these seven churches. They, again, the, the repetition of write this down. And then Revelation 21, verse 5, we see God specifically command John to write these words, to, to write down a, certain, a message for the people. And not all the authors that we have, not all the books of the Bible will have these author notes specifically included in them, but these are a sample of the ones that we do see in Scripture that show that the, the writers of Scripture didn't just come up with them things on their own. They weren't the initiators of the Word of God. The Holy Spirit moved them, guided them as they wrote, but God commanded them, God led them. Uh, in some instances, he, uh, he literally commanded them to write down these words commanded them to, to write this prophecy, to record it in a book, to write it on a scroll. Just uh, all, all these verses that we read just, just point to this. So this gives us even more assurance that what we have really is the, the Word of God. It's not a man-made creation. That this is what God wanted us to have. He wanted His Word to be written down, not just for the time of the author, but for generations to come. And so that's sort of a, of a survey of different places in Scripture where we see these instructions and these commands to write these words down. And so the, the Bible is the Word of God written through men, but by the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So that truly is God's Word. And so that's sort of, that, that sums up the section about whose Word is it, that this is God's Word. It's not man's. And then, Lord willing, next week as we get into more of the, the history of how we got the Bible to us. We'll look and start getting some definitions and start um, pulling some other things about and first about like a canon. Don't know if we'll get into part of the canon next week, but in the weeks to come and start moving into the history of how these books were collected and the, how they were transmitted and moving on with that history. In terms of the book I wanted to talk about this week is one I've read recently, Christ Centered Biblical Counseling. It's edited by Robert Kellerman and Stephen, and Stephen uh, Ryers, excuse me, Stephen Ryers. Just it was a really good introduction, thorough introduction to what the, the field of biblical counseling is, what it what it, what it means, and they're pointing out in the book that they want to, that counseling is for the whole body of Christ. It's not just for a select few or an elite. The whole body is to be ministering to one another and, and serving and caring for each other, and it's broken up into two sections not equal halves but two main sections first lays out the 
some of the theological underpinnings, underpinnings of biblical counseling, and some the broad mindsets we need to have in mind, and some specifics. You know, there are applications that are wrapped up in that, but some more specific applications they explain are, are addressed in the second half of the book. It's the book is a collection of short of the chapters. Each chapter is written by a different author, a different set of authors, each bringing different a little bit of a different voice, but bringing the same message in terms of that Christ has to be kept at the center. They're not just talking about behavior change or change in the short term, but true lasting change that is centered on Christ in the Bible. It's a thorough book and it's um excuse me, it's um care book and it's quite accessible. It's not all overly technical, but it's it's a good read. Uh, I'd encourage you to read. There's some I've read another book by Robert Kellerman. Uh, this one I think was more thorough and was um, laid out the presentation uh, of, of the message uh, better. So that's uh, Christ Center Biblical Counseling by Robert Kellerman, edited by Robert Kellerman and Stephen Byers. Also wanted to share on here about the music group City Alight. That it's a group I've been listening to somewhat recently, and they've got several good songs out there. Yet Not I, But Through Christ in Me, Only Holy God, uh, Ancient of Days. Uh, just many, I've included some of those on if you go to my Facebook page, the Here I Stand Ministries page, there are links to some of their some of their music there. It's there's some of the, their songs are, are really good. There it may not be as packed um, or as dense as maybe like some of the the songs by uh, Matt Boswell, Matt, pa uh, Matt Papa, the Gettys, but they are r rich songs rooted in Scripture, and may, some of them, a lot of them are more subdued, but they're quite reflective. So I encourage you to check them out if you're interested. Uh, some good songs to think on and to meditate and to sing. I just want to encourage that and to help us keep Christ at the center. So thanks, uh, everyone, for, for listening to the, again, the podcast this week. And look, I'm excited about what we're going to be coming up on here in the, in the coming weeks and months. Uh, not sure how long this series is going to go, but we'll just go as the Lord leads. And So thanks once again for listening to the podcast. And I encourage you to read the Word and to take your stand. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope it was an encouragement and a blessing. To find out more information about Here I Stand Ministries, check out hisministries.com. Scripture quotations are from the NASB, the New American Standard Bible, copyright 1971-1995 by the Lockman Foundation, used by permission, all rights reserved.